0: yo hey welcome back to the pod we got episode 13 featuring the boy noah it's lit also uh side note the audio levels may be a little bit off a little janky (laughs) we're dealing with zoom here so we're uh working on the solution but hopefully you guys enjoyed this one we talked about uh shooting bullets at the moon ufos (laughs) music a couple musical rants in there
1: what else did we talk about it there was only. Uh, what was that book called that he was that he referenced? Uh, we talked a little bit about religion, spirituality. Yeah. Uh, Trussell, Tom Billu. <laughs> Tom Billu. <laughs> yeah, so it's lit. Listen along and uh, take notes. Oh, also, if uh, I mean, once again, as always, if you found the podcast enjoyable, go leave us a review. It really helps us out. But also, we got new temple mill merch that just dropped so yes sir if you want to cop one go cop one temple mill dot, dot co dot co backslash backslash shop. shop yes sir get yourself a hoodie get ready for winter hey and uh also sign up to, for the newsletter and um stay up to date with all the different things that we got going on and uh the future drops that will be on the way so yeah, plug enjoy it the episode.
0: Hey, hey, what's up, Truman and Noah? What's up? up? How you guys doing?
2: Doing good. Doing pretty good. Um, I have a question right out the bat. Is right off as the bat, guys. What are you guys like recording this on? As far as audio, like how are you capturing it?
0: Um. Uh. Well, Truman, you can answer that.
1: I mean I am recording on Audio Technica mic plugged into a Zoom H six and then that's going into my laptop and then this whole thing's being hosted on Zoom. Like the the platform Zoom. Right, yeah, yeah.
0: But normally we don't do it on Zoom, we just like go straight into the well, the Zoom H six, like the audio recorder is also called right. a Zoom couldn't come up with a more creative name zoom is being used left and right
1: so zoom h6 is
2: it a software is it like an app? no
1: zoom h6 is this thing right here
0: it's like the physical Uh,
2: like an audio mixer
1: yeah it's like a yeah it's a little thing like that and then i got this little thing called a
0: audio box to just plug in my microphone because they're xlr mics not usb mics right get all the levels right okay cool or I don't really know what these levels even do. I don't, I don't really mess with those knobs.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm hooked up through a fifteen dollar Amazon gaming headset, and it
0: doesn't I, sound too bad.
2: I'm I'm glad it's 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 always been pretty solid for me here in the enemy's footsteps. So yeah, nice. And
1: yeah. in post production, I'm probably going to level out the volumes too, so it's going to sound better too. Why is it
0: that coming through Zoom, it sounds different from when we just record straight into the Zoom recorder, the field recorder?
1: It's just because it's trying to...
0: Is the internet?
1: Yeah, it's the internet. It's not going to sound as crisp regardless. I mean, maybe there's some kind of tool once we get our, like, upgrade all the equipment and, like, stuff like that. I mean, I don't even think it's an equipment thing. I think it's, like, the bandwidth of your internet that's going to determine... How smooth it comes through because this is good yeah. equipment it's just that it's trying to
2: it's getting all dumbed down through
1: yeah the Zoom yeah software it's getting like compressed and stuff yeah exactly. we need yeah.
0: some of that google fiber
1: yeah
2: oh yeah i know i need some of that too my my freaking internet here in salt lake is it's whatever but having like eight people on the internet in our house it sometimes it just can't hold up so Right. Speaking of
0: Google, uh, Noah, did you watch the Social Dilemma documentary?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So
0: the the homie that was on it, I think his name was uh, Tristan Harris. He was just on Joe Rogan. Uh
2: huh.
0: Um, and I was listening to that, and every time I listen to like, uh, you know, this kind of like tech, tech stuff, social media stuff, always makes me just like shit my pants.
2: <laughs> I know, me too. Because like okay. I uh, go ahead. I was gonna say like, you're pretty aware, like, I don't know, at least me, like you kind of hear people talking about like, oh, what are your screen times or whatever? And you're never super like proud of it. And then to watch the documentary explain exactly how it's going on, like exactly what they're doing with the notifications and triggering, like literally triggering like emotional responses in you, aside from just like the typical one you hear from dopamine, it's like, it's it's so much more than that so just watching it <laughs> and me and jillian were watching it and i was like oh my gosh this is like exact i i do the i do all those exact things and like i try to claim like i'm not i'm not a slave to my devices but obviously yeah it's not, it, not fully Apart from it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It gets to a point where even if you're aware of all of the tactics, it's like still, like, they're hitting you at such a primal level that it's like impossible to get away from.
0: Yeah, what, what's freaky is when he compares us important. to like a voodoo doll. He's like, every time you uh, engage with the post or uh, like something or follow someone or whatever, that data just like adds another hair to your voodoo doll that they're controlling and they're competing for your attention
2: Uh uh-huh uh yeah it makes me want to look at my digital digital profile from their perspective and see like how accurate it it is because uh like i don't know like you you talk to like you hear people go talk to like energy healers or whatever mediums and they can like kind of cold read you and see what's going on but just like machines compiling all of your interactions and data like they specifically tick tock the side of tick tock that i get on <laughs> compared to what i hear you guys are on and what Julian's on uh-huh. it's insane because i'm like on car tick tock and builders tick tock and yeah yeah like i'm definitely not on music composition tick tock and that kind of stuff it's I, so I, interesting
0: i'm on like music production and midget tick tock <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Gosh. What's midget TikTok like?
0: Dude, a whole lot of midgets, but I love it. It's great.
2: <laughs> is it like midget humor or like what No, it's
0: just like midget influencers. Oh, okay. There's this one guy, his account is like at midget man, and it's just like him and his kid that just make TikToks together.
2: Is his kid like bigger than Little? him now? or no person
0: well they're about the same size
2: oh, okay but his kid's yeah. like what like eight years old
0: yeah i love it there's also this dude who uh plays guitar with his feet because he has no arms i've seen him he's lit we gotta get him on the podcast
2: for real that <laughs> would be just cool to pick his brain yeah like, obviously that's kind of a determination that Like nothing's going to stop that guy from playing the guitar, even if he loses his other leg. He's (laughs) going to find a way. But the thing
0: about TikTok is as soon as you open the app, it's playing a video right off the bat. And that's what makes it different from all these other social media platforms Mm -hmm. is it is sucking you into it immediately. And the algorithm gets to know you so well that that's what makes it so, so addictive.
2: Oh yeah. All it got to a point I recently deleted it because it would just it was such a big time suck for me. But (laughs) it every it got to the point where every funny one that I wanted to send to Jillian, I'd send it over and she would have seen it too because Uh, either it knows I'm sending them to her or like it's got us it's got both our humor down to a T, which either way it's kinda it's kinda freaky, but
0: yo, but there's some funny TikToks like tiktok that will bring tears to my eyes oh yeah on a regular basis
2: oh yeah because i'll spend forever
0: like fishing through netflix trying to find something and then by the time i finally watch something it's been like an hour or whatever (laughs) whereas tiktok i just literally tap it once and it opens it up and then there's something funny there
1: right yeah Yeah.
2: oh that's something that i loved about vine when it was actually a thing was that I you you got to see like a different kind of humor whereas on YouTube it was maybe skits or there's nobody doing something hilarious in 7 seconds and that yeah. was the entire thing.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I feel like it was like what Vine brought to the table was kind of like a, a like expansion like an expansion pack on like the meme culture that we've had up until that point because like most of it was just like image Like image memes but then now it was like uh seven six seconds or seven seconds of like video memes right so it would be like those ones where it's like uh like when you're at a homie's uh house and you're waiting for them to wake up so that you can call your mom to go home it's like (laughs) it's like those like very like niche things that you can like uh you see them in like a video format now and it's not just like an image right and like And I feel like that like meme culture in general, I feel like has allowed us to like connect on such a different level than before. Like if you think about the internet in like the early 2000s, we're not as connected as uh, we are now because it's like, it's just the same way that like if you have a friend and like you have an inside joke with them, like you're able to connect with them much easier. But right. now it's like we have we we almost have an inside joke with the whole world because like we have these little totally things that we send to each other and like you know you're kind of like oh wait you saw that video too like that's so funny you know like all right. those little you connections share a laugh over it yeah yeah you're yeah. able to relate I feel to like people.
2: at the beginning of the internet not like I was around for it but kind of it was a lot like text based right so you'd, you'd send out a post and yeah. your ability. It, for other people to understand or other people's ability right. to understand you was based on how well you could communicate like your thoughts so you maybe didn't think everybody was as similar until memes started coming out where if you could if you if you were like you could speak english and you've been in that scenario you totally understand it and one of my favorite examples is like <laughs> there's there's a lot of image ones there's a lot of video ones but it's like when you're sleeping over at your homie's house and they don't Leave you a blanket or whatever. So people (laughs) have a cardboard box on top of them, or like pull the other pull the other couch on top of them. It's like it's like like wow, we're we're, we can all at least like on that level we're the same. And then you see like some TikTok from India where you don't even know what they're saying, but you you just feel the energy of like what's going on in that room because some kid is like getting laughed at and everybody's like i don't know it's just like yeah exactly. i've been there before i've been like the butt of the joke where all my friends can't stop laughing and then to watch a group of people that don't speak our language and we don't speak theirs but they're laughing in the exact same way we
1: would. yeah laugh yeah totally it, <laughs>
2: Thing.
0: I've been getting these TikToks from these dudes in uh, like Mongolia or something that are really good with slingshots. Like, oh, they're yeah. like little hands. They'll hold the, whole those of the
2: branches off.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Holy cow, yeah. that's crazy.
1: <laughs> they, they shoot, like, one uh, rock, and it hits, and they shoot, like, another rock, and, like, the whole tree falls over. Just, <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> Jeez, that's insane. Like Dude. Speaking about the word meme, did you know that meme – was originally coined by Richard Hawkins. Richard
1: Dawkins. Uh, yeah,
0: Richard Dawkins. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: In like 1976, before even
1: internet yeah, yep. was a thing. Yeah. talking about and that's the selfish gene.
0: Yeah, the How selfish gene. Um, I mean, it's just like about spreading ideas through. Yeah. See, I have like a Wikipedia page up just to kind of like. Uh, it's like, not if you be know,
1: BS. if you know, like <laughs> what, what genes are. Genes are like things that get passed down through like our family tree. But a meme is essentially a gene that's an idea. Mm-hmm. Like it's passed like a down. Gene. Yeah, a cultural gene. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's really interesting <laughs> how that's
0: like influenced culture and social media specifically. Because what makes a joke so funny on TikTok is that relatability you know like that fact of like when you when your friend doesn't give you a blanket and you have to (laughs) sleep in a cardboard box like it's so funny because you're like oh that's happened to me before oh yeah Mm -hmm. but it's crazy how uh how powerful memes are in terms of like spreading a message like in such like a simple condensed
2: just a condensed way
0: Uh
1: uh-huh
2: whether it's like a goofy something or like I don't know, something a little more, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, woke.
1: There's a lot of, uh, like, I feel like that is, like, a superpower when it comes to, like, the, like, the woke pages is, like, they're able to kind of hack into that whole culture by sharing memes Mm -hmm. that are more than just jokes, but, like, are, like, talking about fluoride or something, you know?
2: Right, or, like, yeah, just a, like, uh, one I like on those... Woke pages, or whatever, is it's like there's two lines. One line is completely filled, and that line is leading to, like, I don't know, like, like
1: water slaughterhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's
2: like COVID vaccine, yeah, yeah, like taking doctor's pills or whatever. And then the empty line is like, um, actually improving your immune system, going yeah. on runs, like, yeah
1: organic foods
2: out and making yourself healthy yeah yeah whole foods and like nobody's choosing that line
1: (laughs) right yeah dude so many i mean this is like american culture to the t it's just like give me the shortcut i don't want to have to like i don't want to have to change who i am i just want to get the the pill the shortcut or like the tactic it's going to give me the outcome without having to change myself that doesn't uh, work
2: i think that's i think that's why like get rich quick schemes are in people's courses and shit like that sell so, like hot cakes yeah because yeah it sells you this idea of like oh you where you're at in life right now is pretty fine you just got to be you just got to be doing these different behaviors and follow this formula or whatever and, mm-hmm. like like man that's pretty enticing you know but there's a reason why nobody not nobody but very few people like it takes it takes real work to make real money and yeah um I think so something's funny that I saw a couple weeks ago and pretty well I see it all the time now where like when I first graduated high school I'd be driving around and you'd see this like sign that says like want to learn how to make ten thousand a month like call this number blow off like it's like about flipping homes or whatever Mm -hmm. so of course being like 18 fresh out of high school like wow 10 grand a month like i'm gonna call so i'd like texted the number went to this like stupid meeting thing where like basically they try to get you just to like buy a course on it's just bs and now I'm seeing those same signs all over the place, but now it's saying twenty thousand a month. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that's yeah. that's now it's like the ten thousand like idea kind of ran out, and it's not mm-hmm. getting enough people are excited. So now right. now they're grabbing for the twenty thousand a month, and it just makes
1: me laugh. Dude, I have a funny story about that. When I was uh, like that whole like culture like of those like get rich quick things, I was in like high school, and I was just getting into like. Uh, I guess it's like internet marketing stuff. Like I was, uh, building, uh-huh. I was building landing pages and, uh, have you ever heard of ClickBank? Yeah. Yeah. So like ClickBank for all of you people that don't know, it's essentially like an affiliate, uh, website, like a, a marketplace for like affiliate, uh, type of like offers. And it's like totally legitimate if you can do it correctly, you know, but like most people don't. And so like what you would do is like you build like a landing page with all of like the sales copy for the affiliate offer that you're like going to promote. Right. And like, so I stumbled upon that when I was like 15 or 16 and I was like watching like long YouTube tutorials on how to do this. And like, they were just hyping it up like crazy. They were like, this is like pretty much having like a money printer. Once you hit, once you like post this, you're going to be like, and like, they would like show their, (laughs) show, show their screenshots of like, Five k a day just rolling uh-huh. in from like yeah. traffic and uh so I went through it and like built the whole thing out step by step and like clicked uh update or push to live or whatever and like it was like uh the it was like late at night and I had school the next day and i went i like clicked go live and then went to school, and I had the biggest chip on my shoulder <laughs> and, <laughs> because i was i was just as- assuming that I was right. like making tens of thousands of dollars while oh, right. or, while i was in third period yeah and then I, I, and the, then machi-
2: I the machine is just working yeah.
1: and then I, <laughs> I i get home and open it up i'm just like here we go it just says zero dollars Yep. <laughs> zero visitors <laughs> like what? biggest letdown ever yeah oh. i know i know like yeah it was crazy but it was like the biggest lesson <clears> i just like you can't trust that stuff you have to put in the work
0: yeah. That kind of reminds me of my uh, first dropshipping experience, starting a dropshipping <laughs> store. <laughs> everyone has one of gems. Yeah, I'll share
2: one too.
1: <laughs> Literally. It's like
0: I put in all this time into building a site and I mean, it costs a bit of money just to kind of like get a you get one. like two, two weeks for free or whatever, but <laughs> you got to somehow get traffic to your website. So unless you got a hundred K followers on Instagram, you got to spend some money on influencers or ads or whatever. And so I decided to go the influencer approach of just like DMing like niche Instagram accounts and being like, hey, how much to get a post? And I mean, I was selling like these little like Rick and Morty products. So I DM some like Rick and Morty pages and they charged me like I don't know, 20 bucks or so. Like it wasn't that much, but it didn't convert at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't get any sales from it. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: What's yours? Yeah, yeah your I
2: feel that um <laughs> you guys remember when we went to san francisco like I don't know, yeah yeah a half ago that was a whiz and a, currency. yeah for the Wiz and currency concert um i got a course and i was pretty stoked on it like it to be honest and to be fair to them the information told you exactly how you need to drop ship and do all that but I had already found all that information online beforehand and I thought I'd be getting different information. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I, I like, I follow this course and it's stupid cause you spend like, you spend hours of your time just like following all these different videos and modules. And yeah. Yeah. All the modules and courses and get this, get the Shopify set up and, you get your ad spend set up for like facebook or whatever and yeah like just like you were saying you you went to school just thinking that you're gonna be racking in the money like i i spending like i I think i spent like a hundred dollars over the course of two weeks on ads and i got like one purchase for like i would have profited like a dollar 70 yes. <laughs> you know like i thought like i thought my website was so sick like it was called uh if anybody wants to go laugh at me you can go look it up probably <laughs> on facebook still but it's called uh winter prep essentials and i had like i don't know like this like windshield thing you'd put over it to keep snow from getting on and like this mm. ice scraper and these like snow chains you could throw on kind of an emergency and just some like random little car things that might get you out of a pinch in the winter. And so where I, do you think you went wrong with it? Probably with my prices. Um, <laughs> I was trying to charge like $10 plus shipping for this stupid little like ice scraper thing. I don't know. I was just like greedy. You know, I was like, I want to make as much profit as I can. But, right. Yeah but also just being a car guy i should have known that i I wouldn't have bought those those things really sure. yeah. like i yeah. i can come up with a better solution that won't take a month to ship so yeah. i that was a problem for sure and then my targeting probably wasn't because i was targeting like car groups that would be people that know what they're talking about not mm. like a not like a grandma that would be scared of driving you know that's driving in the winter that kind of a thing and I've I thought of all maybe like all all the pitfalls I kind of put myself through like after I gave up on the drop shipping but um (laughs) I oh yeah that I, I just had my hopes up like and I'd say the biggest problem was like me not changing any of my behavior as far as like not getting more educated yeah yeah. like after a few days and not seeing any change like changing my ads up trying to change something like i was just
0: retargeting
2: yeah exactly i was just stubborn thought i had the formula didn't want to didn't want to put in more effort than i already had (laughs) you know like i was already hella invested Uh but uh yeah you you grow and learn and uh, and another thing with the like course I bought, they, you could kind of get into this community on Facebook and I'd see people having like $10,000 days and I'd, I'd like go look at their, their page because usually you could find it if you go through their posts for far enough on the page. Mm-hmm. So I'd go find their page, I'd go see what they're selling and then I'd go look it up on Alibaba Express or whatever. And I'm like, these guys are clearing $250 a day. With these profits or with these prices of the what they're selling the prices at and like what it actually costs they're only making like pennies on the dollar for every whatever so I was like hmm, I'm not really in the game of selling bulk bs like I want to provide more good to the world than getting rich yeah. on like a even if I would I mean I'd, I don't get me wrong I'd be down to make ten thousand dollars off some fools and ice scrapers but <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's not what i'm gonna be wanting to share on tom billy's podcast
0: yeah in, yeah in, your legacy in, you know uh-huh, yeah percent yeah, exactly. <laughs> tom billy is the dog dude he's the man have yeah, you listened to boy. his uh interview with joe rogan before
2: no i didn't that's interesting i haven't had an uh interview yeah it was on joe's podcast or his podcast
0: uh-huh it was on joe's and it was uh I don't. I can't remember how long ago it was, but super interesting conversation because Tom just has like a, a very, I don't know how to say it, but he has a very unique perspective because I didn't know like he went to film school. Like I just know him about through like Quest Nutrition and I right. mean, we got to meet him a couple times, like just from working with Gerard, we interviewed him for LCL Okay. and then um, he came to FitCon in Salt Lake. Yeah, we met him like
1: three times on different occasions.
0: Cause, oh, yeah, because we also went to his house in LA because Gerard was on Impact Theory. And then oh. the third time was like at FitCon in Salt Lake. And we're just like, yo, we uh met you a couple times. Before. I don't I don't even remember how the conversation went or whatever, but we just like said what up.
1: Yeah, he and, remembered um, us too, which was sick.
0: Yeah, but That's he's weird. got a really cool perspective on just like – Uh, how he uh, like lives his life and like his work ethic and um, what he wants to do with impact theory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like looks at it like a Disney, Mm, um, like a media house where he wants to like inspire people with like messages and um, super inspired by like the movie, like the matrix, star Wars, Mm -hmm. like the Force Jedi and like the metaphors in movies. And I've been thinking about that like quite a bit lately because I was watching, uh, it's this this movie that's on Netflix. It's like the number one, it's like a a Pixar animated movie. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a little girl who's got like her hair that she cut herself. And uh, let me do a quick Google search real quick. But I was paying attention to like, what was this movie actually trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. Aside from what is like what it's saying, what is it like one step deeper, what is it telling? And it conveyed a bunch of like pretty deep topics, like the main character's mom dies, and then throughout the movie, she goes to this place that I feel like is like symbolic of heaven uh-huh. and um I don't know, super lit, but um Tom Billu crushing it with uh impact theory mm-hmm. right yeah the
2: gone. first time i like stumbled across uh uh Tom billou and impact theory in general was from drama's podcast short story long he was on mm. there and he is tom he's extremely good at explaining why he does things and like he was the first person that I think like brought up the idea of. Uh, Mm anti-fragility anti-fragile
1: yeah
2: and um like just like like definitely a growth mindset and like you can change like you can change who you are and like these behaviors and your instincts through hard-ass work and just grinding it and real dedication and um so like that that was that was cool. So I could obviously go check out Impact Theory. And like the first episode I listened to, he's talking about how he wants to turn Impact Theory into something bigger than Disney, mm-hmm. like create create comics and uh, media to really inspire kids towards a, like a productive direction instead of like just you know mindless cartoons and that kind of a thing. Like just messages that will inspire people to take action, um, mm-hmm. kind of throughout their life, starting starting young. And <clears throat> my first instincts, hearing that, it's just like, "Wow, oh, what? You're crazy!" Bigger than Disney. And then start just listening to him more and more. It's like, "Wow, well, this guy's gonna he's gonna die I'm trying to make that happen and like put put that out into the world because that's what he's about like he's got a really interesting story as far as going to film school and he wanted to be like a comic at one point and he like saw a really funny comic that wasn't wasn't even didn't even have a show or whatever because that's where tom kind of wanted to get he's uh-huh. like i'm never going to be as funny as that guy like i'm i'm gonna i'm doing this wrong because if that guy doesn't isn't where i want to be like i'm i'm, I'm never going to get there trying to do it this way so Mm -hmm.
0: however that mentality can be pretty toxic because like especially for even people like musicians there are so many dudes that are just like a street musician who is a wizard Mm -hmm. and so it's not necessarily your skill set that's gonna make you be at this at a top tier of a it's like so many other things that contribute to it yeah but usually people like get stopped because of comparing themselves, themselves to somebody else and be like, ah, never going to be able to like be as funny as this guy or whatever. But in our reality, like there's like so many other things that contribute to success. That's not just your tangible skill, even though like that should be the core of it. Like the foundation of it that's pushing you is like your passion and love for it. Right. But
2: I think like you definitely like, you gotta you know if you're going after something and you're you're uh what you're trying isn't getting you the results you need like on a very like predictable i don't know basis not, not saying like you should give up on your goal but you should definitely reevaluate like what you're up to and that's what he did he's like my end goal is wanting to be a film producer and I'm not going to get there because he thought he's going to be like Jerry Seinfeld type of thing where mm-hmm. he be a comic, get a show kind of towards the end of his life, uh, hop on board, like kind of production and that kind of a thing. You have enough money to create film. And then he's like, um, I need to reevaluate my, my steps to get to that end goal because I'm not, I'm not a Jerry Seinfeld type situation. Cause and he's still on that way to the goal, you
1: know? Yeah. Which is kind yeah. of, It's it's interesting how it came like kind of full circle, Mm -hmm. like he's he's kind of making his way to that goal, but through a different way, you know. Right. Through
0: selling nutrition bars. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It works. Like it works. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like a Tom Billu like fangirl or whatever. But have you heard kind of why he like he got so behind Quest in like wanted to create like good nutrition bars or whatever.
0: Um,
1: wasn't I think he so.
2: Overweight? Yeah, his family, like his family is pretty over overweight. He calls them uh-huh. more morbidly obese. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> specifically his like mom and sister. So his goal out his first company, he kind of got into um, was like some software thing he's getting mad stressed out really anxious and yeah he like had to leave that and so um he's like you know what like with all his other goals in mind he's like i want to f- saw like i don't want my mom and sister to die of being morbidly obese so he came up with the idea of creating healthy nutritional bars that are that taste good will be an easy like easy choice for somebody that Makes their choices off of taste and that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know, just just kind of like that's just that's a cool, what a worthy goal, you know? Yeah. Going back to like me selling, trying to sell scrapers on the internet, like that's not a problem. He's he's solving a real problem for people that are trying to get in shape and trying to go to the gym, do the right thing. So, like, and now he's sold that onto impact theory and it's yeah
1: full circle very cool like he's a cool dude yeah i respect oh, how like, dope it is
0: to solve real problems am i right yeah that's so
1: cool. saying like i respect the entrepreneurs and the people out there that like actually uh set out to solve a real problem like and it's it's like a lot easier said than done because like often solving the biggest problems are the hardest ones right Mm-hmm. and so like that requires like not seeing results right away like is anything hard is gonna take a while to get you like to actually accomplish it right and so it's like like elon musk trying to go to mars that's like one of the biggest things that we could even be tackling right now and it's like they're they're finally uh like seeing some progress but the past decade like SpaceX mm-hmm. has been around since like 2004 or something like that. Like, it's just that we're only hearing about them because Elon Musk became a somewhat of a celebrity. Right. And like, they're starting to get more like progress, like things that are newsworthy. But in mm-hmm. the past, like 15 years, they haven't really, like they've had so many <clears throat> rockets blow up and just lose billions of dollars. Right. Right
2: like nobody was interested for the first 10 years while they are still solving the hard math problems. Like, yeah. 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 Um, my, I mentioned Lex Friedman's podcast, like in one of your earlier podcasts. And that's a, that's a freaking tight podcast.
0: It's a banger podcast. And,
2: uh, it's so good, dude. He's got the smartest people on like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just interested in kind of software and, like technology and that kind of stuff so it's it's pretty interesting but he also has guests on that are like i don't know planetary scientists and stuff and i Uh I can't remember the lady's name i'll try
0: to find even wolfram like inventors of different types of coding languages like c++ yeah the former ceo of google he had on there
2: yeah and he had this one lady on who is um she's Just like a super smart—I don't even know what she is—astrophysicist, whatever—and there she's working on these problems that people were saying back in like the 80s when they're first proposed. Like, oh, that's just like that's just whatever. Like that'll never happen. And she's just kind of been keeping after it, keeping the math going, and now it's like all legit. And like that's the direction that like space science is going. Yeah. And. One thing that she was saying, um, because Lex asked, like, "What's like, what, what, what would happen? Say we find a planet that is close enough for us to travel to. Like, what would the idea be? Like, what would we do?" She's like, "Well, honestly, like, it might be more reasonable to send a rocket ship with a a meat three D printer essentially and." the organic materials and the instructions on how to print a human <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because that's literally that's that technology is more likely and more on the frontier than putting a human into deep sleep for um, 300 light years and keeping them alive like so yeah. she's she's like it's more likely to send out 10,000 rocket pods with human 3D printers on them just hoping that they'll land and people will, will be able to like or life forms will be able to make sense of this, and she's like this legitimate scientist talking about this stuff. Like, say like, it's not crazy at all. Like, this is what we're. This is the Dude, This is like where we're headed.
0: <laughs> I feel like odds are is that a UFO is more similar to like a drone in the sense that mm-hmm. there's not somebody inside of it, but the technology can shoot this you know silver bullet through space without having this meat suit. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah to, limitate, yeah, to right. limit it all
1: yeah if we're talking in terms of like uh advanced species yeah it seems kind of uh primitive to throw your meat suit in a physical thing and shoot it across you know yeah it sounds like the exact way <laughs> we would want to do it <laughs> yeah you know
2: like i want to ride this rocket into the like this demands ego just wanting to be there but yeah be the pilot of the thing Be the pilot
0: of the
1: (laughs) rocket yeah okay so
0: here's one here Truman you said you're gonna say
1: uh yeah I was just gonna say I feel like like the the truth that maybe we haven't discovered yet is more similar to like how computers and internet uh internet works where it's like data and that data can move around like when computers were first being invented it was like a mind-blowing thing that you could like have something on your desktop and then control c control v and that thing is just duplicated mm-hmm. but like it's still the same data and like you can like do that as you can duplicate that as much as you want and it's still <laughs> right? the perfectly. same yeah perfectly it's still the same original data and like you can train you can then send that file to the other part of the world and they can get that same data on their computer and duplicate it again and again And it's like you can send that same thing out to millions of people Mm -hmm. and it's still the same original like substance, if you will. And I feel like that's like kind of where the truth is heading almost that we're like holographic or like we're like kind of data ones and zeros. Right.
0: (laughs) What I think about is like nanotechnology and like, okay, imagine like a UFO, but is the size of a bullet so that instead of (laughs) these massive ufos you can shoot it out of like a sniper rifle into space and then it'll be this mini drone thing that can go to other planets and is way cheaper to create it's not billions of dollars and is easier to shoot off they can go and uh, be collect data collecting data or trying to communicate with other things out there or whatever but instead of thinking on this massive scale of like you know giant rockets or whatever what if we just shrunk all that down to like the size of like a bullet and could literally shoot it out of something like a gun because last night we were just like looking at the moon like the blue moon mm-hmm. and i was like what what if someone just like pointed like a sniper rifle like a bear at 50 cow like the strongest <laughs> like sniper could you like i mean yeah i don't think you could shoot the moon with a bullet no, you wouldn't hit the moon but how how would you make it like? How would you get the technology to hit the moon like it's a target?
2: This is what you would do. You would take you take the latest SpaceX rocket, right? Um, then on the tip of it, where you put kind of your cargo and your payload, you sh- you have this specialized specialized I don't know <laughs> rocket tip that is basically like a grenade loaded with fifty thousand of those little metal bullet things mm-hmm. so you send the rocket off into space the rocket whatever cruises past mars and this thing uses some sort of energy to shoot all of these because when you're in space nothing like you, you act on something the energy isn't going to stop until something gets in its way in space so mm, you just yeah. do one burst these things will be traveling out at 300 miles an hour just going in, in multiple directions 360 through space and some of them will crash whatever some of them will hit asteroids but the bulk idea of the kind of data you'd be able to collect with doing that and that's yeah. that's stuff they're talking about like is more likely to happen than sending a bunch of humans into space obviously like they're just gonna they're gonna basically spent send human trash throughout the entire universe hoping that who knows what they're hoping for hoping something like the won. voyager yeah exactly
0: yeah, and definitely that's like a good point instead of like shooting from the ground getting up as high as you can get and then having it go off once you're like up really really high mm-hmm. maybe even like a weather balloon or something like that yeah
2: exactly like It just seems cool, and like kind of go back. We kind of talking about how SpaceX was has been around since two thousand four, but it's only been cool since started rock like shooting rockets and losing them, you know. And then they eventually started landing them, but they're the problems that they are solving for the first ten years was just math. It was just how do we do this, and that's something I didn't really have a huge grasp on until I was listening to a bunch of different lex friedman podcasts is that it's technology first it's figuring it out first like on paper and scrutinizing that a bunch of times in a million different ways it, before you ever go build the first rocket
1: <laughs> like yeah, obviously yeah.
2: But i for some reason in my teeny brain it's like well where, where were the rockets in 2004 yeah well, it was just math at that point but like that's how these that's how these big big life human changing like goals work. Not that I, I do any of them, but it's not like an overnight. Hey, thing don't
0: underestimate happening.
2: yourself. Hey, I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not right now. But there I'm, you go. You're yeah, in I'm, that planning phase. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the planning the phase. I'm getting all my education wrapped up. Not formal, but you know, yeah. hey, bro, myself as solid as I can
0: if the aliens are making UFOs to come visit us, then I feel like if we want to go visit them, we got to make our own UFOs. Right. But we can think differently. Like they, we try and get some, I feel like we're onto something with this little bullet type thing that can just shoot out, like thinking small instead of thinking big. Cause then you can get way more of them. And just like, like the grenade you were talking about, shoot it out into the universe. Go out to uh, Jupiter's moons yeah, or wherever and s- start to explore.
1: Mm-hmm. How about we just strap a GoPro onto a cannonball and shoot <laughs> it out? <laughs> we get onto the top of Mount Everest. I think he's uh, onto
0: something.
2: We get Peyton Manning to strap a GoPro to a football and launch it into orbit. It should work. should yeah. work. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't we should shoot an email on.
0: over to SpaceX. They'll send us some funding.
2: <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> that first first round easy hundred mil
1: so uh no what do you think are like a few of the um like world changing industries that are going to be happening in the next decade or so like that are going to affect the world the most
2: um all right time to put big brain on (laughs) i don't know honestly like um Uh, 3d printing
0: flying cars
2: I'd say beyond flying cars, like, I think renewable energies, like in the idea of solar and that kind of stuff, really getting that locked down to where <clears throat> people are always like, oh, well, the, this isn't viable because of this reason. This isn't viable for that reason. Getting, getting renewable energies to the point where there's no debate on if they're
1: <clears throat> or fully
2: not. viable or not. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be probably market leading because that's going to influence like say we get it to the point where we can like charge America for the most part off of renewable energy. Um, It would make more sense to roll out uh, like electric cars for everybody because right now electric cars are charged off of coal power (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so it's like and then the carbon footprint of mining um lithium is if you actually look at the charts on how much uh carbon an electric vehicle puts out versus like a conventional gas burning uh, vehicle or fossil fuel burning so diesel too uh right now the gas burning cars are still gas and diesel burning cars are still putting out less just because of the mining operations put out so much pollution like they're not they're not mining lithium cleanly out in africa you know they're 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 doing that pretty toxically so
0: yeah i was um, hearing alex jones talk about this
2: yeah i i think i was listening to that as well he like briefly mentioned on it but it's a real thing where people are like oh yeah i'm saving the world with my tesla where at this point you're actually from a carbon footprint standpoint, you're not like, it doesn't, it doesn't help that much. Um, but if we got it to the point where we're mining lithium cleanly, or we found a different way to build batteries that didn't, you know, didn't require, we could maybe recycle materials or something. I don't know. But I think getting renewable energy, like really figured out, will be like, we'll decide where a lot of different markets go.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the real problem is like at scale, like exactly. getting it so that the masses not just like, you know, one to a hundred, even a thousand, but it's like, yeah. how can we get a million electric cars in a sustainable way?
1: Right. Yeah. Even to like the small conservative towns of America, that's That's where like the real, uh, change is going to have to, like, if we're going to have to do this, like on a big scale, even those people are going to have to accept like driving a car electric car instead of their old uh ford f-150
2: right and honestly like coming from a dude that's worried about the government and loves his cars like i don't want to i don't want to be in a world where in like 2050 i have to drive my tesla and like because the problem with that is that it's a software there's no the yeah. tesla is software there's very little hardware going on so it's like if some crazy thing were to happen where the world governments fall and some bad people get into power like smart, smart cities of your, yeah exactly you hop into your car at nine o'clock at night and it says sorry truman um the city-wide curfew is in effect and you cannot drive to your mom's house yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, that yeah. type of thing like that's the danger with going fully electric because that Well, we see it with social media we, they're taking advantage of what we're giving up so if we give up um like i don't know like nobody can hack my old mercedes and stop me from driving to the supermarket but tesla tesla can roll out a software where your car doesn't drive they can break your car from from california you know so i don't know i think that there's goods and bads to every coin right
0: Uh what's crazy is to think about like a tesla for example as a robot because mm-hmm. you can program your tesla uh and like the self-driving all that stuff like that like most people just look at it just like a car but what if you start you know looking at your tesla like it's a robot and yeah it's pretty pretty crazy and also thinking of like you know other types of robots in the future that are going to come in the form of not just your traditional like what a robot looks like even, like, the robot dog that Boston Dynamics is making. Right. Like, that thing is pretty, pretty creepy, especially with the Black Mirror episode. And they had it. It looks exactly like the one that, they, that Boston Dynamics made.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that little, that little guy is just coming around like a it's freaky. mercenary coming to kill you. Yeah. 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 But imagine, I mean, like, a Tesla bike or, like, a Tesla skateboard, like, a Tesla boosted board or that right. could be, like, a, a robotic device. They can like you know help you with things. I don't know, pretty interesting. I think it would be cool to like,
2: I don't know, like a boosted board. That's helpful technology for like you know trap for people that are traveling in cities or whatever. But um, like, how cool would it be if you had a fridge robot that it's like say double the size of your typical fridge, but you put all your whole foods in on one side and you program on the touch screen on the front that on Tuesday, d- Tuesday night for dinner, it's 5 PM or whatever you're doing stir fry. So you need all the vegetables chopped. You need, you know, you, you do need everything prepared. So you go and you open up the fridge and on the other side of the fridge, it has like pulled out your bell peppers and mushrooms and things and prepared it and put it into like a bowl or something. So you can just take it, throw yeah. it on the, throw it on the wok like, does your prep for you exactly like how much time would that say like the main reason why i struggle with cooking jillian does a lot of the all the cooking essentially is because like i i'm not efficient in the kitchen it takes me like 30 minutes to make a bowl of ramen <laughs> like <laughs> i like it's a skill i could improve on but if somebody created a fridge that would say i'm 30 years old and i've you know my life's happening real fast and i don't have to prep my food anymore i would yep. pay People are already paying $1,500 for a brand new fridge. Like I'd pay 3,000, 4,000 for something that would just chop my veggies.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what if they make the fridge completely obsolete through like subscription grocery services of like, uh, what, are, what are those companies that make like meal like, prep that send it to you? Fresh. Uh, yeah. Like hello fresh or things oh, like yeah, that. HelloFresh. What yeah, if those what get so about. affordable and so convenient that you don't even grocery shop or really even have to do that, any
2: of that. That would be that would be like preferred, honestly. I but I
0: mean, this I is like, like to
2: have a bridge I'll, for random things, you know, my although, chips and salsa, but
1: although my my interpretation of that is kind of heading in the same direction of like the uh, like the downside of the electric vehicles is you're still putting it all in the hands of some other mm-hmm. uh, organization. Like the, if you really want to be self-sufficient, and like, if I mean, if that's like someone's goal, you would have like a garden or something, uh or like some kind of growing source in your right. like a vertical
0: it, garden. Vertical, like that one. yeah, yeah,
1: like a vertical garden growing hydroponics. Yeah,
0: but this is the type of thinking and questioning that I think is going to change the change the future. Right, I think about this also with. uh like specifically things that you use on a regular basis that will save you time or that impact your daily life. And another one of those things I feel like is like a bed where people spend, you know, seven to 12 hours in their bed every single day. Mm -hmm. And there's so many, like so much room for innovation as that, as like a central unit in your bedroom. And even little things like you can see like my TV right there my bed right there. If you're laying in your bed, you you can't really, like, see your TV. You have to, like, kind of be sitting up. Otherwise, you're going to hurt your neck or you're going to get back mm-hmm. problems. But what if there was just, like, you just lay on your bed and on the side, there's a projector that projects onto the ceiling. And then you can just, like, lay on your back and then watch TV on the ceiling instead of over right, right over there, you know?
2: And just – not to be an ass, but I think the answer to that, because I've been thinking about this a lot. My TV's at, like, I'm looking at it with my neck kinks, you know, when I'm laying down in bed trying to watch movies at night. But the answer to that is wall mounting it up at higher so that you yeah. your gaze is naturally kind of going up and out. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be an ass.
0: <laughs> it would be cool to
2: have a projector in your room. <laughs> hey,
0: but. Look, your ceiling You have all this blank white space that doesn't get used for anything. True. But if you could utilize that space, it's perfect for for projecting an image onto.
2: I think that way about my walls. Like, I want to – my most useful piece of my wall is my whiteboard. Like, I want to go get big stocks of that whiteboard material from Home Depot and just put it all across all my walls because I only have, like – three feet by two feet of whiteboard and I'm I have to erase my ideas <laughs> once like a more important so-called right. idea comes through so I yeah I see it you're like it's wasted space for sure and that's that's kind of what Connie was saying on his podcast like there's just wasted space construction is a way of making money off a consumer and so they're gonna sell you more than you need and like it might not be as functional as you think just cuz we've been doing it for the
1: last 300 years
0: yeah so i like off. his yeah here go ahead
1: mike and i i mean i've been bringing up this idea to mike the past few weeks But so have you heard of uh, earth ships i heard you guys talk about them but i i don't know much about them outside okay. of okay they're like uh definitely like look them up after this but they're okay. like these I mean, if you have heard us talk about them, but they're just like these like, uh, homes made out of like renewable materials, materials, and just things that you got from like a dump, but like, it doesn't matter because it's all being like, just being used as a foundation, essentially, like the same way that you would like frame your house with like two by fours. You just kind of like use old tires and pound them in the, into the ground and put like some kind of like, Oh, right. Like. Uh, homemade like mud stuff that's kind of like a concrete, and then you frame your house off of like that a little bit more. And then, uh, but the cool thing about it is it like collects the rain and funnels that down into a garden that you have inside the house. So all year round, no matter like throughout all the seasons, you get uh, all the veggies and stuff that right, to use. you use, like right, like in your kitchen, you would just this walk like.
2: The- natural
1: insulation of the earth to kind of right exactly everything going and like i feel like uh using like leveraging more of those like techniques into modern construction i think would be sick i agree i think there's like so
2: in high school i worked on framing crews during the um like summer months i just do framing like uh kind of clean up and stuff anyways it would be like start of the summer we're putting up the the foundations already poured when we roll up so we're literally we're putting up the walls the floors and uh this project specifically we're doing three-story condos like a condominium building or townhouses three-story townhouses that was like six stuck together and they're Mm -hmm. all three stories so Like you just go in and you staple them all together. Everything comes prefabbed from offsite places and it's basically like adult Legos. They come in on big, big uh, flatbeds and you put them up, staple them together, nail them together. And once you get the four walls up, you throw the next floor on and kind of so forth, so on and so forth. And then in like a month and a half, you're, you're over to the next set of foundation Erecting the next building, and mm-hmm. it's like, it's insane how quickly bi- buildings go up, but they're they're literally pretty ugly. Like, how often have you driven past a like a new housing development and there's there's 150 brand new homes that are all the same shade of brown? Yeah, yeah I know. It's so like they all have the same small, teeny yards, and there's no like I'm not like I don't like there's no soul to it. No, and there's that's no- coming from a guy that's not even like. Much of like an artist, or like I, I, I'm pretty okay with you know, blander things, and it like houses are just lame to me, like, especially those ones that are all just look the exact same. I grew up in a place in California where all the houses looked the exact same, and it was just weird. There's nothing unique about any houses, all the same color as stucco, and it's mm-hmm. like it just seems like a a waste yeah, things should probably look pretty. You don't want a bunch of people with pink houses next to green houses. And, but I don't know, I think there's like those, those 300 house developments that go up, like that's all for profit that people can't even really afford because most people that are buying those houses are like, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'm sure there's quite a few of them that are like, you know, just buying their first house, not sure what they're getting into. And, Building brand new houses—that's another crazy thing. Watching defects getting drywalled over, like because these these are just going up so fast, and it's kind of like if you see it, don't say anything about it, because you don't want to be the guy that brings that up to the um, uh, the contractor yeah. or whatever the dude like running the show. So it's like if you're not building yourself a brand new custom home, and you just have some random crew come in and erect you a brand new house, like you're probably going to get quite a few things swept under the rug, so to speak. <laughs> and that's from working on like a nice, you see their, you see their sign everywhere. If you go past those new developments, like I was working on their crews they would hire in and it's not that impressive. Right.
1: It's, it's such a shame that like, cause yeah, I share some of the similar stances on that like just driving around utah especially because it's such a like up-and-coming state that there's so many houses going up or like so many apartment complexes so many like in vineyards yeah and it's just like yeah it's like they're trying to yeah it's just like how many of these can we build as soon as possible like that's those are the only two questions that are ever asked it seems like because yeah. everything that gets put up is exactly the same. Or maybe if they're really getting bold, it's every fourth house is red. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like, you know, it's like, that's how original it gets. Yeah. And it just seems like uh really, I don't know, depressing to live in that type of environment where you don't have any difference between you and your neighbor. Dude, yeah. that's
0: what always fascinated me about like, alternative living of like van life or shipping container homes or tiny homes Mm -hmm. is like let's use van life for example when you go on youtube and you look up van life there's so many different examples of different builds yet Mm -hmm. everyone's still using like the same small amount of space but they're getting so creative with you know where they're putting certain things or how how it gets and like the idea of maximizing less space and not being like tied down to one specific spot it's just like so sick yeah, yeah I, I like uh, want
2: to get a van it would be an awesome <clears throat> i think it would be an awesome whether or not you do it full time i think it'd be an awesome option to like have a cheap condo and then have your semi-cheap you know probably have twenty thousand dollars sunk into your van build but you also have the ability to go mobile camp wherever you want across the u.s whenever you want <laughs> like yeah. you're not confined to like i don't know just i don't know Being. i feel like that's a time. wave of the future it seems, it seems fun i like
0: think right? a lot of people are going to want to do that like you don't have to pay property taxes you don't gotta you can just kind of go wherever you want to be and just kind of like live everywhere
2: I know. My question is like, and just because I like to think about all of it, but so like here in Salt Lake, I'll be driving around and you'll just be driving on like a regular street, you know, and there's like a pretty run down like RV just parked on the street running it's loud, nasty generator. Like, and it's like, you almost get the vibe that they're just kind of freeloading off they're they're van life in it you know but they're also just it seems like they just don't want to pay any property tax yeah. or they don't want to like they're not contributing much you know they're not they're not uh buying food from the local grocery stores you know they're stopping at walmart and stuff so it's like if everybody goes towards like van life do you want do you want vans parked outside on your on your streets like just like you know, they're hanging out outside their van, drinking beers, like throwing their lawn chairs <laughs> up. Like, you know, like I can just see it getting out of hand because most people that commit to the the van life, they're cool. They're outdoorsmen's that are going to be respectful of most people and they're going to do well. But then there's those people that just see it as an opportunity to not have to pay property tax and be able to like just work for two weeks here at a Burger King and then live off that money for a month and then go work here for two weeks at this next rbs or
0: i don't know yeah no that's definitely a problem there needs to be some sort of like a van life code of ethics (laughs) right yeah
2: for real i don't know i i think it'd be lit though
1: i came across this uh like company online that uh they have like they have these uh kind of like campgrounds but for or like they're kind of like trailer parks but for people that live in Uh, vans hmm. and so you pay uh or like a it's kind of like a soho house for van van lifers so like you pay a, a annual membership to this whatever it is organization and they have these like spots all over the country where you can like pull up and you have like a spot to put your van and then you have access to like a kind of like a communal house right with like uh showers and things like that like fire pits and um you know how much the annual membership running water electricity um i don't i don't remember how much it was probably a lot cheaper
2: than a mortgage though yeah for sure obviously
1: and that community
0: aspect is dope Mm -hmm.
2: yeah like didn't you guys like get the vibe i don't you guys did you guys stay in like any hostels or whatever they're called in japan when you went out there where it's just like a bunch of people crammed into like no. a, kind of smaller hotels or whatever
0: we didn't whenever, but
2: a lot of People do that yeah whenever jillian talks about like i don't know going to europe and like her experience in the hostels like sounds kind of lit like everybody there is kind of in the same boat they're not balling out staying at a nice hotel like they're not trying to disturb anybody else they're also all trying to get good sleep like it's not like you're sharing space with a bunch of grimy people where yeah. you might think that's what a van life community might be like where it's like you're probably actually going to run into a lot of respectful people that are trying to keep everything as clean as possible
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. where they live people that love the planet freaking hippies <laughs> <laughs> So uh, aside from Tom you what are some other, like, uh, individuals that you, like, aspire to be like or that you, like, look up to?
2: Um, I
0: like Duncan Trussell. Hey, <laughs> I think Duncan Trussell's
2: a very just in-tune guy with a lot of different – I don't know, like, you could be anybody and you could probably go talk to him and he would – understand where you're at in life and, you know, be cool with you and not pass judgment. And he's always quoting the Bhagavad Gita and however you say that. And yeah. like, he's just Talking very, Tibetan Buddhism. yeah, he's very like, I think woke is a, a stupid term to try to call him, but he's very uh in tune with just the world. And he's an enlightened being. So I, I like, I like listen to him and his podcast because he's just he's like a dose of psychedelics in the ears.
0: Like mm-hmm. he is
2: so crazy to listen to. I love um, that you
0: use the phrase in tune because like a topic that we've been talking about a bit has been like, everybody's on like certain vibrations and like frequencies and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, like, just thinking of like being in tune, like I think of like my guitar, like if I were to play one chord, if it's not in tune, like you'll still kind of get the chord, versus like if it's perfectly in tune, it like harmonizes and rings like right. totally differently. It gets everything in the room buzzing at that level. And so it's like those people who are like in tune are so much easier to like connect with. You know, like yeah. think of like a harmony or like a, a chord is like you know three different notes that harmonize together. And if one of those notes in that chord is out of tune the whole chord is going to sound like shit. But if you know that Duncan Trussell bass chord is in tune mm-hmm. and then you can connect with other people, it just like creates beauty and harmony. And like, yeah, know.
2: on the other side of that coin, it's like, how, how incredibly hard is it to like try to have a conversation with somebody that's just out of tune, like whatever that uh-huh. means. Like yeah. they're just not aware of, What's going on in the moment? Their head is somewhere else. Like they maybe don't even want to be talking to you. Like it's so like painful. It's like I have those conversations with my aunts and stuff. You know, you it's have just to force like, it so hard. Yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's just not happening.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, Duncan Trussell, and I love like this like new like spiritual wave of people uh-huh. that are talking about spirituality aside from one specific religion, but from taking uh-huh. influence from multiple religions and like multiple cultures around the world. Uh-huh. Um, and even like what you said, like psychedelics to your ear, like a, his like psychedelic influence <laughs> yeah. and like way of thinking uh huh, is so sick. Yeah. I think it's inspiring to a lot of people too,
2: because like, I remember the first time I heard the term, uh, Spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was the most corniest, dumbest shit. My stepmom actually said it. I just thought it was so <laughs> stupid. You know, I was like a little Mormon kid at the time. And then, you know, get older, drop that faith, go on a search for what is truth and finding people like Joe Rogan, Duncan Trussell, people that are like obviously enlightened to a peaceful way of living and like conflict resolution versus like trying to cause conflict like it's uh it's kind of refreshing knowing that you can go be a good person without having to be something like having to take on a title of i'm christian or i'm a buddhist or i'm like it's kind of funny because duncan Trussell says this a lot he's like buddhists say we don't we don't want you to be a Buddhist, we want you to be a Buddha <laughs> like oh, you know it's like they're not they're it, it's not the the title or the position where you think you are it's the act that uh is like what matters and yeah. coming from the first time like scoffing at the idea of being spiritual but not religious like that's all I am now like i I know I know Christian religion, I know the Christian doctrine like better than most christians you know like i've got the gospel of john in my backpack some dude gave it to me and i've been like reading it quite a bit just so when i talk to my mormon family like they don't have anything on me like yeah i'm obviously yeah. well versed and they can't like oh well you know as long as the scriptures are translated correctly like no i know what the scriptures say and i can tell you <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're translating them incorrectly to fit your narrative yeah uh, anyways that's a little off topic but Well, I feel like
0: I can relate with you on that in the sense of having to debate with certain religious people, it forces you to learn more. Like Mm -hmm. I've gone through so many waves of like becoming obsessed with beyond just like the stories in the Bible, like. The translations, the lost stories of the Bible, like yeah. Jesus and the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls, like all these different topics that religion won't even necessarily talk yeah. to you about, but are just as influential and important to understand.
2: Uh huh. I recently, um, I want to buy the book because it's so dense to try to digest it as a pod or an audio book, but it's called something like the Immortality Key. I sent it to you, Mike. It's, yeah, yeah, the it's, mushroom one. Yeah, that one, and it's not even specifically about mushrooms. It's just about the origins. The it's not even about that. They touch on that, but it's about that there was this psychedelic Eucharist or a sacrament that has been around since literally like the uh, the like the starts of civilization. We're always kind of told it was bread that brought. The cavemen out or whatever and brought humans together but anyway so this book talks about how since the start of human civilization um as far as we can trace it with archaeology and all that people have been people as in humans have been taking this psychedelic drink that like you know makes you experience some some you know universal love yeah death before death kind of a thing and i'm not gonna do Uh, justice to the book but basically it it undeniably links the very first findings of this it's called a graveyard beer uh, where these um, I wish I could remember the names of them better but they were drinking this ergotized beer that got them that is a LSD psychedelic essentially and then that that cultural drink was handed down into the next and into the next and he he links it all the way to the beginning of christianity and like undeniably links it like it is the the earliest christians were taking a wine potion that was that were that was psychedelic and they're having a beautiful experience that was unifying and all this stuff and uh it uh i was thought i was like in for kind of like a just like i don't know learning about psychedelics but the book is mostly about like christianity and all this crazy stuff and like i like i always thought christianity was one thing you know christ came to this earth and like died for our sins and all this and then i read a book called saint constantine's sword where it basically explains how this dude used christianity to Unify Europe, and by unify I mean like he conquered Europe using Christianity. Mm. He was the dude that took it, like took Christianity from being an illegal cult that was outlawed to the official church of Rome. And he he killed people in the name of God. He did all these awful things in the name of God, and he changed the scriptures. Like he left books out of the Bible, and Mm. that's kind of like when the 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 twist like of christianity happened and it hasn't really been the same since but then like reading this book also shedded a ton of light as to why they wanted to change what the gospel was because it was allegedly potentially at one point like a uh experience where specifically a woman would give you this wine sacrament of flesh and blood or whatever like signifying Jesus Christ and like what he did, and you would like basically it kept little kids from wanting to go to war, like it kept people from wanting to be like violent and that kind of a thing, and it makes sense why they would want to leave out all these different things out of the Bible, like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene and I don't know all these gospel things. of like, Thomas, yeah, exactly, all these things that shift kind of. It was, you know, at one point this very big thing and they narrowed it down to these are the Ten Commandments and this is the gospel, you know. Yeah. Like, we don't know what it was, but we have archaeological evidence and art evidence that they were taking some drugged wine. (laughs) So. Yeah. What was that book called? It's called The Immortality Key the history of the religion with no name and um it's by some dude name look it up his name's like
0: let's see is this the same dude that was on joe rogan with graham hancock
2: yeah that's him okay so immortality key brian,
0: um,
1: c. brian c yeah
2: whatever his name is however you say that yeah 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 but it's really interesting and it like the way this dude got into it he grew up being christian or catholic whatever he was all into it and then he got into he got into like greek mythology hardcore and i guess the greeks have this place called Ulysses where they go and the elites would take this potion essentially and they'd experience death before death Mm -hmm. and he was obsessed with this idea as a kid or whatever and then he started reading the John Hopkins like uh mushroom experiments and LSD experiments and reading what people had to say about their experience with mushrooms and LSD as like a, like an antidepressant slash like drug to help with that. And he was saying like the accounts he read from Greek mythology were the exact same as what people were saying they experienced um, in these studies of just, you know, everything being okay. Not, not like, not enough just a stoned out way like oh everything's okay but seeing why things don't matter and Mm -hmm. being able to let go for good of things that don't like help you out anymore and so he was like it went from something being like mythological to him to being like oh my gosh the same thing that Uh, is being described by this greek culture where so many people look up to the greeks you know it's not like we look at the greeks as some stoned just joke of a group of humans so he just went on this he was in law school when it started it took him like 12 years to write this book or something and he he literally traveled the world following the evidence and like he lays it out beautifully but there, like there's so much art and Uh, it's called like chemical archeological analysis or something, they're literally able to pull like the, the organic material out of these pots that they think that these, you know, different things were in and analyze exactly what it was. And it's like, it's pretty crazy that potentially the first group of Christians were people that were just carrying on this tradition of experiencing death before death and letting all the other you know kind of what's the saying life is suffering right yeah. and like that's like an idea that you want to resist the first time you hear it or right. like every time yeah. you hear it almost like it's like how could that be but then you realize like it really is to exist is to have to suffer in some way there's no guarantee of like anything good happening so like to have a psychedelic experience and let the world to be put into perspective for what it is. Like the Christians could have just been carrying on this, this thing that had been going on since the start of civilization. And, um, I was sold a version of it where it was not. They left out a major component. (laughs) They, yeah, not only that, but it's like, like, whether or not they were drinking something psychedelic, women undeniably were um, administering the, the like sacrament in the early days of the church. And he also goes into like the bastardization of like women, kind of how they were taken out of these essential roles. And those roles were given to men really to kind of limit the woman's place in history and in the world, you know, kind of take their power away. But it's super interesting because like, in mormonism specifically if you can call it christianity like women play a not a role women are for making babies that's what they're for and like Mm -hmm. they're taught from when they're young like that's your job (laughs) and like it's unfortunate you know like women are very powerful and they have been throughout history but somewhere along the last 500 1500 years the script was flipped and, like, women lost their, like, you know, lost with air quotes, lost that power, and now they've they've been suppressed, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Did you ever see the movie, it's called Mother, and it has uh, Jennifer Lawrence in it? What's it about? I might have. Well, so, it's, it's an interesting movie, like, when you just watch it for the first time, but then afterwards, you have to, like, watch, like, a... Uh, exp- explainer video that will kind of explain what things meant because on the surface, it's kind of like a, a horror type film of like, there's this woman and she meets this uh, he's a writer and they move into this house and he becomes a famous writer and she's like fixing up her house and then they have a baby. But then all of a sudden, all this stuff starts to happen. And um essentially like the metaphor of the movie is that this woman represents like mother nature mm-hmm. and the the guy represents god and it just paints it paints god as like a dick almost right in the way that he just like shit all over like how this woman gets like trampled and like she has her baby then all these people come and like literally they eat the baby they rip the baby apart and they're eating Shoot. this baby right and um it's just kind of like a different perspective on religion and I don't know, it's super interesting. So I think you would definitely enjoy it. Uh, And it's just called mother. It has like an exclamation mark. Okay. Mother. Yeah. I'm going to,
2: that does sound interesting.
0: Cause if you think about
2: it, like when I think of mother earth, I think of something that's uh, nurturing, you know, loving helps, helps growth but then when i think of god like i think of something that has the power to be destructive you know like mm-hmm. cause pain and whatever you know like i i don't i mean and what and i think that is when i say god i kind of think of god as the christian god not the you know universal love or whatever yeah
0: whatever
2: kind of the god that everybody hints at that we kind of use different names for like, mm-hmm. I think the Christian God's kind of like a rude, rude entity. Like he's not, he's not mother earth. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I've heard a bunch of different theories of people even speculating like that the Christian God is a demon that is pretending to be God and right. is, de- <laughs> is deceiving the masses uh-huh. to control them, but it is not actually uh God. Right. And it's, yeah. Super interesting to think about yeah, it. Like it's that. a placebo
2: keeping yeah, people it, kind of,
0: you know, thinking they're on the right path. And it's just like, yeah, it's something to do because if everyone just kind of had like an open mind and an expanded mind to just kind of like look at the world how they want to, there's a lot of powerful people that are afraid of what would happen. But religion is like the way to keep somebody in like school forever. It's like a program that they can Uh follow, that has rules, It has uh, authority to it it has control and um i don't know it's i'm i ain't a fan (laughs) no me neither it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel right
2: doesn't feel like it's setting individuals up to like maximize their potential it feels very fall in line and you will be taken care of like you don't have to try too hard like just be a good person and just follow these follow these rules and be in this community and don't don't worry about anything else. Like if you especially
0: don't wanna... like using things like marriage, your family, all these different principles. It gets right in the middle of and takes advantage of those things to control you even more. Uh huh. And that's what what about it feels so fucked up?
2: Oh yeah, they Mormonism specifically, because that's what we grew up in. It takes like every potential part of your identity that you can have as a human or a kid so like your emotions get wrapped up in it your intellect gets wrapped up in it
0: you're
2: um oh man what was i gonna say
0: no but i know what you mean about everything getting wrapped up into it and that's why i feel so like so much of an advocate for like the phrase of like being yourself because that's the opposite of what religion wants you to do. They oh, yeah. want you to dress a specific way. They want you to act a certain way. To follow certain rules. To do certain things, so that they can control this exact image that they have set. That they want everybody to look like.
2: Right. If they can get you to like resist your instincts of like anything, like they got you. They if you if you if you're starting to resist your instincts on like the basis of like. I don't want to do this because it won't look good in my community or I don't want to do this because God will punish me for it. Like it's not like, it's not incentivizing you to go be a good person Mm -hmm. because that's what the world needs more of. And like, regardless of the
0: outcome (laughs) and being a good, a good person for what reason? Are you being a good person because you genuinely are trying to be a good person or because you uh don't want to be uh i don't know—looked down on by your members of your ward or your church or whatever like your intention is so important to why you do things mm-hmm. oh yeah
1: but um mikhail and i were while we were like quarantined we we're watching a 90 day fiance and we uh there's this episode where or like in the season we were watching like it kind of follows throughout like you follow like different couples throughout one season. And the one was on a Mormon uh, guy who lives in Idaho and he like was on his mission in Russia Mm -hmm. and he fell in love with uh, someone on his mission. And um, she was a Russian native. Uh, And, you know, the culture in Russia is very different than the culture in America, let alone Mormon culture. And so like, she, she's out there doing her thing. And then she gets converted to Mormonism. And now, and then she, they end up getting engaged and she moves back to Idaho to live with his family. Who's all Mormon. And you see, like, she's like, like they'll be out to uh, lunch together. And she's like talking about like the things she used to do in Russia, which was like drink and party. And (laughs) like, they would be talking about it and the way that the mormons would react would like it would make her feel so bad and she would like uh verbally say like oh i'm such i'm such a bad person like i can't forgive myself and all this stuff <laughs> and it's like that and it hurts me to see that because like if you have like perspective on the world you understand that like russia has a different culture and just because something isn't quote unquote good here. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's bad somewhere else. Like drinking alcohol and having like that's uh something that's part of their culture and that's just like even older people drink. You know, it's not like yeah. just a, a, it's not just something that kids do when they're immature. It's something that like everyone does. It's like when me yeah. and Mike were in Korea and Japan, they drink soju. You drink that when you're sixteen and you're stealing alcohol from your parents and you yeah. also drink it when you're uh 90 years old and you're celebrating a birthday like Mm -hmm. and like it just pains me to see people get like um guilted and like shamed and like all this stuff for things that when you really look at it aren't hurting anybody it's just like their culture you know no
0: bro and even like when we moved to new jersey coming from like utah to new jersey in utah growing up like the f word was like so bad like (laughs) I it would like if I were to say it, I'd feel like I'm about to get smited from heaven above me. But then we go to New Jersey, and you know we're chilling in a family home with one of our friends, and there's you know his younger sister who's like you know 12, whatever. The mom, the grandma, whatever, and the dialogue in the house is like, "Hey, ma, give me the fucking cigarettes, fucking fuck, fuck, yeah, <laughs> left <laughs> and right." And it's it's so used to the point where like you don't have to feel guilt over stupid things like these words. Like mm-hmm. why are you putting so much power behind certain words that make you feel guilt, that put you in this place where you don't feel good. My camera's looking kind of weird. <laughs> it's messed up. It is it's, messed but up. But it totally changed my perspective from like experiencing different perspectives, you know, like, and that's where a lot of people in Utah go wrong is they just like, stay here and never leave and they never leave mm-hmm. but yeah. once you leave and you kind of go out of your bubble you can experience other cultures that define good differently
2: yeah yeah and it, there's a lot of like respectable things that mormons look down on just because it's like not within their culture like f- yeah i think is just the funniest thing that mormons still actively like say coffee is bad right yeah you can't drink it but um i don't know a single mormon chick that's not addicted to diet coke i know yeah yeah the amount of your girlfriend works at swig like she she got horror stories of people (laughs) that show up at six o'clock in the morning every day or whatever like they
0: come like eight to ten times a day
2: yeah that's but it's condoned because it's you know it's what coke wasn't around when the word of wisdom was made so yeah but and then people like on their high horse like Oh, i don't drink coffee like i I'm a Mormon that still doesn't drink coffee, but.
0: But you're eating Twinkies and drinking yourself. Coke. Yeah. It's pretty funny. The lack <laughs> of logic. Sugar is such a bad drug these days. Yeah.
2: It's, it's just, uh, it's, I don't even know if it's a lack of logic. Well, it is. It's not lo- really logical thinking, but that's what the Mormons do. They use circular thinking to just, they just walk backwards in circles 24 7 and like you can't get them to ever take a hard stance on something because it's always like oh well uh no, this that mm-hmm.
0: and it's it's so difficult to like debate religious topics as well because unlike regular christians they don't take the bible to a T. they mm-hmm. disagree with certain things in the bible that caught co- that are being contradicted in the book of mormon or in other books yep um and so it's like this like gray area where there's so much room for misinterpretation that they misinterpret things and go down just like this path of brainwashing themselves that they can't get out of.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause it's like, it's, it's planned misinterpretation. Like the Bible is very specific that there's no gods before or after God. Right. But Mormons are out here thinking, and this is, I think, the deepest fish hook in the Mormon's throat is like the belief that one day you'll get to be a god and create <laughs> other planets and universes. Yeah. It's like, how could you give up on that? Like that's been like sunk mm-hmm. in you so deep. Every every religious debate, not even a religious debate, but every debate slash conversation I've had with a Mormon it gets to the point where the doctrine is very clear on what it says in the Bible and their excuse is either, well, we just, we just only believe in the Bible as long as it's translated correctly. And I don't believe that's translated correctly. Or Mm -hmm. they say, well, I just know it because I felt it. I have felt it. I feel it. And it's in my heart. There's nothing that's going to change. There's nothing that can change how I felt. And what's really funny is that there is multiple passages. There are multiple passages in the Bible that warns you that your heart is the greatest deceiver, greater than Satan, you know? So it's Mm. like, it's like, they'll just use this circular thinking of like, Oh, well, can't trust the Bible. Can't trust this. Can't trust that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a God one day. So I'm just going to keep like, I'm going to keep going with it. Ah,
0: man. (laughs) Yeah, what a wormhole that one is. I know it's all right. Let's move on from it. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But it's like
0: just to kind of like I don't know. I guess wrap it up is like when they control you, like being this other thing that you're not. Like I feel like my true power from comes from like my soul, not like my filtered mind. And it's when I'm able to like make the most and that's like with meditation as well it's all about you know letting your thoughts flow through like a river and not you know holding on to them and building up this idea or this like house of cards mm-hmm. but letting the, those thoughts go down the stream and being in a place where your mind is like pure emptiness you know right. and that's where the true power of god can come from in creating art or creating or whatever ideas or whatever it is that you're doing and it's just like major red flag that you know religion never once taught me about meditation religion never taught me yourself it, or listening to yourself or like your like all these different spiritual topics that i've learned from you know different books like letting go or the mm-hmm. untethered soul or whatever that are just completely ignored by religion because they're like and this is something that uh it frees the mind. <laughs> yeah, freeze your mind. This is something that uh Dennis McKenna was talking about is like the last thing that religion wants is for you to have a spiritual experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How funny is that? So crazy. Um okay
2: so I have some questions for you both. All right, uh, but you're just kind of up. mentioning like create creation and how you feel creativity you're definitely like my most creative friend as far as just you're down to express yourself in different ways you know you know jay he's also pretty creative but jay bird yep jay bird um where say, say you're just sitting in your bed like where does the creativity start is it always like is it always kind of in the back of your head or do you just is there like inspiration that hits you on an idea that kind of comes out of nowhere, like what does this for the both of you, like what does creativity start as with you guys?
0: I feel like How it, you pursue it. It so I for me like ideas evolve and it's not like I don't have to it's like it'll just like come it's more so I feel like at like the front of my head than the back of my head. Right. But it, it will come and then I'll like I mean and it depends on like the type of idea of like what it is that I'm doing. Um Like, for example, like with music, I like use my ear and I'm like listening for something and it's just kind of like playing until I hear something that sounds good and then, you know, whatever, keeping track of it. And that's generally like my songwriting process is just like finding something that sounds good. Mm -hmm. But with certain like, you know, business ideas or t-shirt ideas or lyrical ideas, a lot of times it will start as just like a single word or like a phrase or just like a seed of an idea that and also you know like inspiration comes from all places it could come from like a conversation with somebody and they say something i'm like oh i i really like that one word that you said and i just like take that word and then it turns into something else for me Mm -hmm. or from like you know reading a book listening to music watching a show listening to a podcast being in the world you know nature even like you know, patterns and like today I was like looking at like a image of like some like gray, some really nice like Wagyu beef. Right. Like thinking of like, you know, like the patterns of the beef, like how it looked. Right. Like like a really cool grain, like a a shirt pattern or like a jacket pattern or something like that. But those, those two ideas normally wouldn't connect, you know, thinking of like beef and then an outfit, unless you're like Lady Gaga, she, she kind of thought of that one already. Yeah. But, taking something that doesn't necessarily need to be another thing and like thinking outside of the box, you know, like I was like playing with my Rubik's cube the other day and it came to like a T-shape on the (laughs) cube. I was like, yo, that would be like a little Temple Mill T-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, you know, I designed the T and now whatever, sometime in the future, but like they just come from random places. Mm-hmm. and if i'm like sitting and i'm like come on come up with a good idea mike <laughs> it's yeah. not gonna happen but it's like right. when i get in the flow and i'm just like chilling with some homies and we're like hanging out or like and not really when you expect it and also something that is talked about in the book the uh war of art um is this idea of a he re- I think refers to it as like a muse that comes to you uh, like once a day mm-hmm. um, and I feel like on a daily basis like your my mind almost like refreshes if you let it, you know like mm-hmm. you can hold on to ideas and like sit on things and that can like get you in a place where you're stopping or whatever. But for me, if I can constantly like write down my ideas so that I'm not sitting on it, I can let it go through. And I can still like, you know, think of it here and there in the back of my head when I'm like writing in my journal and I see it, Mm -hmm. but then it lets it, lets my mind be like a open canvas so that the next day I can get new inspiration, new idea from something totally different.
2: Right.
0: So I guess like writing it down is a huge part of it because if I don't write it down, then I'm like, don't forget it. Don't forget it. And I like feel like I I, like I'm holding on to it. I
2: relate that. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. So I use like
0: my notes on my phone for like in the moment, I'll just like jot them in my notes. But then also just like having started journaling every day in my, my journal, uh, I'll just like open up my notes and then I'll translate it from my notes into my journal. And also by doing that, the ideas are going through me multiple times
2: you like filter them, get them better, kind of refine yeah, them. Yeah, you
0: filter them, you refine them. And like, it also becomes like, if it's a good idea, you'll be able to know if it's a good idea with time. You know, yeah. like give it, you know, a week or a month or so. And if you're still thinking about it and you're like, still have that same feeling, dope. If it's not, then you'll know. And it will just like be another thing. You're like, ah, that was stupid. Let me just yeah, like, yeah. let go of that. And so like yep. giving your ideas time also is like, super important but that can go you know you, you don't want to give it too much time because that's like yeah. a problem that I feel like I have
2: yeah
0: is like you know I've got a ton of music that I'm sitting on that I've just like I've been given it time and it helps me be able to look at it differently and like make it better as I go along but at the same time like you gotta like put put it out you know right and, like not be a like I feel like um perfection is like the biggest trap you can go for Totally. <laughs> I don't know how to like phrase those words properly but like perfection is a trap because you're never gonna be perfect right no I, matter like, what nobody's I definitely gonna be stop yeah.
2: myself from doing things just because or just like not attempted to try things because I'm like I'm not gonna not gonna do that perfectly <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> like I'm not going to execute that perfectly. So I don't even really want to give it a go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. People set like these crazy expectations for themselves and like, it just results in failure. Like you're setting yourself up for failure if you're expecting perfection from the start. Yeah. Anyway, true. What are your, some of your thoughts on this? Like creativity slash ideas.
1: Yeah. What was the original question? The way you
2: framed it, Noah? Um, I think I framed it as like, how does it hit you? Okay. how does creativity hit you is it like a very distinct thing that comes into your mind or is it after thinking of the ideas that they evolve or yeah and then like how do you kind of pursue it
1: yeah well sitting here i feel like uh i learned something about mike and me uh like i feel like mike you are creative visually and mm-hmm. but i feel like i'm more like with words like, uh, and like, that's not to say that you aren't, but I feel like for me, I'm, I, I'm not as much visually creative, but like more through writing and reading and like, kind of uh, symbolism and like, analogies, things like that. Yeah. And um, my mind kind of works as like a mixing pot, like, so I consume like different uh, sources of information. And, like, they can be on completely different, like, uh, verticals. Like, one could be, like, right. uh, Seneca or Marcus Aurelius as a author. Or, like, and then combining that with, like, a modern author. And then, like, seeing where the silver lining is between both of them. Yeah, and then applying parallels. that to, yeah, like, uh, I feel like my mind works well as, like, a, a filter. And, like, I can change what that filter is and, like, kind of, like, how that relates to ideas is like, if I have an idea, I can kind of like run it through some like filters of like, how can I use what I learned from Marcus Aurelius and this author and apply it to video production in a way that is going to be practical to the end user or something like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like being able yeah. to like, cause there's a lot of uh, ideas, like just because an idea hits, Doesn't mean it's gold. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't mean it's gold. And so you have to uh like kind of run it through a series of tests to see kind of
2: looking at it from the outside, see the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And but yeah, creativity kind of just hits me while I'm living life. Like it's not really something that I sit down and do, you know? It's it's more so like uh going out and living and experiencing like the founder of, uh, Patagonia, I forget what his name is. Like, uh, it's kind of hard to pronounce, but like how he came up with the idea of, uh, um, Patagonia was he was a rock climber and he just started wearing these, uh, big thick rugby sweaters cause uh-huh. they were just like really thick and good for climbing. And at the time, like that was like the thickest material that was available. So he was like, I'm just going to wear this. And, he started climbing and everyone else that was climbing alongside of him was just like, you like, do you sell those? Like, can I get one of those? Like whatever. And like, so he came up with that idea, not by sitting in an office or like writing down all these ideas on the next big billion dollar brand. He yeah. was out there living his authentic life and those ideas came through him, you know? And like, he got those ideas by living and experiencing and tinkering and uh, like interacting with, with his environment the same way an organism would interact with its environment. And like an organism will learn new ways to make that environment better or like to make themselves better authentically by being there, you know, like, yeah. And so that's kind of just like how I get my ideas is kind of just authentically going through life and whatever hits me is going to hit me. And like, being able to uh, put those into practice though, is like the right where the rubber meets the road.
0: So his name is uh, Yvonne Chowinard. That's yeah. like Y-V-O-N and then C-H-O-U-I-N-A-R-D. Yeah, but yeah. that's so true because like something that um, we all have like super unique perspectives, super different like backgrounds of like things that we're interested in, things that make who we are today and that's where the best ideas come from is from leaning into your unique perspective, yeah
1: definitely.
2: and
0: same with like uh TikTok, some of my favorite TikTok pages are it's content that I can watch from someone else's unique perspective that to them is just totally normal, but to me, I'm like, oh, I want to see that." Like there's this dude who you know every morning he goes out and he like feeds the deers. Uh, at his house and it's yeah. like 10 years or whatever. Yeah. And to him, that's just outside. You know, it's not like he's like, I gotta do something to catch attention. Yeah. But that's just his perspective. Same with like thinking with us, you know, like we have, you know, these mountains. We can go skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding. There's somebody in California that would love to see that, that um doesn't have that opportunity to do that and would like, right. you know, engage with that content. And so it's about, you know, Again, with that whole like being yourself, embracing your perspective, same with like creating revolutionary music, it's from blending genres that don't really make sense together necessarily, is where you find stuff that you really like. Like, um, and like artists that have like been able to change the game have taken influences from so many different places. Like, uh, I was watching something about uh, Willie, Willie Nelson's guitar. That uh, um, it, I can't remember what the guitar he named his guitar or something or whatever, but Willie Nelson has been like a really influential musician mm-hmm. in the last you know century or so, taking influences from one specific guitarist who like only uses two fingers when he plays, and he's like, well if this guy can do it with two fingers, what can I do with five fingers? Right. And, and taking also like jazz music. But then like country music and like those two things don't you don't normally think that they would go together no but from taking certain principles from jazz principles from country then boom you get willie nelson mm-hmm. you get johnny cash right all these guys that you know even like the beatles you know they're taking influence from like beach boys and um all sorts of different you know backgrounds yeah. and it's what can make something like super unique yeah i it was super cool you said truman about like how you see you visualize with like words and how you think like i'm a little bit more visual Mm -hmm. and that makes me think of like when i'm playing like an instrument for example um what's going through my head isn't like the specific music theory or like the numbers or whatever i'm like seeing things in uh patterns So for example, seeing
2: where your hands are on the fretboard type of a thing.
0: Yep. Because in music in a scale, uh, there's different intervals of half steps and whole steps. Uh And like on a violin, for example, that looks like this. (laughs) Like a whole step is like whole step, whole step, half step is close together. Whole step is like that. And so when I'm playing violin scales, I'm thinking of the shape that my hand is making to make those certain notes. Same with on a guitar when you play chords, like I see this this shape, I think of a G chord, or like this shape C D E E major. Like your your uh-huh. hand makes shapes, and I'm not thinking of okay middle finger on the A string whatever. Mm-hmm. You're seeing, you're I'm, feeling it as the whole. I'm feeling it as a whole, and I'm thinking of these shapes, and then taking that you know one step further. The chord is one shape, but then a chord progression is a whole nother. combination of shapes like a a lock pat like a to unlock a lock same with like a whole nother step beyond that a song is structured from different patterns of you know verse chorus verse bridge whatever and then even taking that step farther an album there's structure to an album of the flow of the way that the songs go within an album Mm -hmm. and um yeah. You know, I'm not like thinking of like specific like music theory or like numbers or even though like technically, like, yeah, those are like concepts you got to understand to be able to initially get it. But what makes it stick is visualizing the patterns. Because it's like yeah. rather than thinking of, you know, six different notes in a G chord, I could just think of one pattern.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same with like, like a
0: piano, same piano chords. As I've been like teaching myself piano, thinking of the pattern instead of like, and then, you know, like the first time that you do it, you got to know those individual notes to get it. And then you practice it. But eventually it's just like, Oh, you whip, whip into it, whip into it. Right.
2: Yeah. And if you were to like, try to take in everything at the same time, like, uh, why is this note sounding good following this note that I'm about to play? Like you, you'd probably trip yourself up quite a bit. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't be in that in tune, Flow, moment, yeah, in tune. Flow of like this is this is what I'm doing. Transition into the next chord, strum, transit. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have too much in your head, there's
0: yeah, you know over you have it. so
2: much RAM. Yeah, and that like that information overload is exactly what has like I don't know, not necessarily kept me from uh pursuing instruments harder, but like. Yeah, that is, it's, I'm not saying that's the reason I can't do it, but that's the reason why like I struggle with it is because it just seems I I have a, I have a problem like not being able to strip things down to their basic and take the important thing. Like I'll be trying Mm -hmm. to play a G, but I'll be worried that like the next chord isn't going to sit well. Like I'm not going to be able to transition to the next chord where it's like, you just need to focus on getting your G chord down you
0: know and it's like if you like both of you guys have like a good taste of music i can say this because i like ride in the car with you and i can hear the songs that you're listening to (laughs) and that doesn't come from an understanding of the technical side of it it just comes from like you know what you like right and like the first step to like making good music is you have to be able to understand what it is specifically that you like like what kind of music do you like can you put together like a playlist of songs that have qualities in it that you can then start to like pinpoint okay it's like in this trippy red song at the two minute mark i love that he did this and then as you start to point out those specific things on every aspect from the vocals the flow the melody the chords the instruments the timbre how loud how soft whatever once you can learn those for yourself then when you're creating it It's just using your, following your ear of like what you already know what you like. Now you're searching for it. And so coming up with the chord progression that you like, if you know what you like and you already know how to play the basic chords, then you just kind of fiddle around and then you can hear the ones you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that. And then as you, you kind of like build on it, you know, and it'll start generally with just like, for me, it'll start with like four chords. I mean, really it'll start with like two chords. Well, it starts with one chord. <laughs> Start with the first chord and then you're like, okay, where does this chord want to take me? Second chord. Where's that one want to take me? Next chord. Where's that take me? Another one. Now you got four chords. You can loop that four chords, maybe change the last one. And then it takes you on a journey. Right. You're like you're following it and it will take you somewhere. And then that's like the whole purpose of a song is to take you from one place to the next. Uh one feel one feeling to another feeling how were you feeling before you started listening to the song to how you felt when the song ended and the song how you felt afterwards is what the artist intended but they can't control how you felt before but they can take you on a journey of where uh you where they want you to go right
2: like yeah there's i can't remember the dude who like originally wrote the song but um had the hallelujah song it got really famous after some other dude uh made a cover of it
0: i know which one you're talking about i can't, I can't remember,
2: remember either of their names but yeah, i
0: got google right here
2: um yeah tell me the 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 f- Anyway, so like there's that dude when he was making that song playing it like there's no there's no he's not like some people leonard cohen like, leonard cohen yeah so he's not like thinking like this song is going to get people stoked and ha- that song makes you sad and feel something like makes you not necessarily suffer but it makes you like understand like where he's coming from you know like like just it's such an intense passionate song and yeah it's not a it's not a it's not really like a function of what you hear it as it's like a function of what it is (laughs)
0: like and when people listen to a song they put their own interpretation onto it it's no longer the artist's interpretation it's what someone thinks of like when i listen to certain post malone song that takes me to a specific place it's no longer about where post malone wanted that to take me it's about where i as a listener listen to it And even like I was watching this documentary about uh, John Lennon and and Yoko Ono, and he was, John Lennon was talking to like a a super fan that like came to his, uh, came and whatever, found him. And the fans like asking all these specific questions about like lyrics that he had written or whatever. And John was just like, I was just writing whatever came to my head on that day. Like it was not like he was like trying to be profound or, yeah. Like these are literal just like, could have drawn words out of a hat yeah because yeah. it doesn't matter it's about how it's interpreted it's the whole that specific moment to that listener right. that that time yeah that's crazy yeah oh yeah
2: that's good <laughs> i feel like what you
1: what you said about like breaking uh like breaking the cord down into like a shape uh-huh. like that that is, like, a uh, kind of unlocked, like, a code, I guess, for me, because, like, yeah, I'm totally the type, and I don't know if Noah can, like, relate, but it's just, like, for me, I'm, like, when I pick up a guitar, it's, like, okay, uh, uh, first finger goes there, uh, third one there, and, like, even when I feel like I have, like, a G chord down, and I'm playing it as I go, I'm still, like, I'm just doing it faster. I'm just like, okay, first finger finger, first finger, finger finger, 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 finger. finger. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, okay. Like it's never up until now it's never been like the shape. It's been like, okay, first finger, second finger, third. okay. Oh,
2: yeah. you know like okay, we got it. Oh, you'll like, never be fast enough trying to do that. Yeah, yeah now, you can't
1: way. be fast enough even if you're going like that like you can't yeah. do it by breaking it down like that. But if you can relate to it on like the shape, then you just have to make that shape. And it's just like like if you look at it, like the whole, like how I just explained it, it's like first finger, th- uh, second finger, third one. That's like your brain is trying to interpret like three, three different like, uh, like movements. Uh, movements are three different like concepts or three different like chunks of data. But if yeah. you can, and th- like no matter what, like those three chunks are gonna take more processing power. But if you can re- like get rid of all that and just use one chunk of data as shape, like yeah, whatever, yep. like then you can do that so much easier because you're just remembering one chunk of data, the shape. And uh, then you can just like, remember the shapes and do it much faster. Yeah. And that's having to handle
2: four fingers. You're just handling the movement and like position instead of, yeah. that's totally where I always get hung up when I try to, I'm very basic. Like I maybe have three or four chords in my arsenal that I can hit. Well, I don't even know their names. I can just put my car up and kind of BS around. But that's my problem. Is when I go from the transitions. Like I have to be with every bit of my processing power. I have to be like, all right, my middle finger is sliding down to this mm-hmm. fret. am going to be, pre- I'm letting go of these things. It's so not fluid. It's yeah. so not in the flow of making or playing music.
0: <laughs> that's why I like practice. Like as you it's practice more, but yeah. start practicing with the thought of, the shapes in the chords right and you'll start to get a lot faster and that same mentality that you're talking about is also the way to rapidly speed up your rubik's cube solving time um because the way that you solve a rubik's cube is through you know specific algorithms that is just like uh pretty much a specific like one algorithm would be like uh front right up front inverted right inverted up inverted And based on each one of those steps is, you know, front moves the front of the cube, right moves the right of the cube, up inverted moves it counterclockwise. So that's kind of how they work. And if you're each algorithm, each sequence of an algorithm like that has a specific uh, action that it does to a piece. So that algorithm that I just told you moves this top piece right here to this piece right there. And so by learning different algorithms, it teaches you how to move pieces in a way so that you can solve the Rubik's cube and to be able to speed up your Rubik's cube time, instead of thinking of the algorithm as.
1: well, Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear uh, you. It's going through the computer right now, but. How about now? Uh, I mean, we can still hear you, but I think. Okay. I can hear you.
0: Okay. So that's algorithm um if you think of it as one step at a time as like you know front right up right inverted up whatever um you're gonna be think of it as doing a chord thinking like middle finger first finger ring finger pinky but speed cubers they can do that whole algorithm just like based on using right. certain finger movements yeah. and they do it in one fluid motion so that instead of taking the time of all that they're not thinking it just, about it at all <laughs> they're just thinking of it as okay they're this seeing one patterns, moves,
1: they're moves moving this it.
0: piece somewhere yeah. else specific and muscle
1: patterns they just remember it as like a hole like a yep
0: yep yeah, exactly that,
1: that's kind of how it, it relates to like uh skateboarding or scootering for me like mm. t- like doing a tail whip like at, when i first started was like okay uh let's kick it out with my feet and then uh rotate my arms <laughs> yeah and like do all this stuff but like now it's just like i just do a tail whip it's just like, like tail whip it's just like it's so ingrained now and it's but i'm still doing all those things it's just like i see it now as one compl- one fluid uh, thing. yeah one full fluid motion but all those things are still happening but it's just like you i remember it in my brain This you're taking this. the like complex out complexity out of all the different
2: little I don't know movements and just making it. Yeah. It's literally just freeing up your brain to do it quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that.
0: Hey, a, that's a, definitely um, a principle to be able to take with like so many different things, like yeah. outside of Rubik's cubes and music and whatever. And I feel like part of why I like have this, like a visual way of thinking is from music and like Rubik's cubes in my life. Um, but it really can help you just like accelerate, like speed up certain things that you're doing.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. It's like, there's a lot of things that I don't know, like you think would be like, I don't know, playing soccer growing up. I didn't realize I was learning how to communicate with people I'm working with, you know, like there's, there's things that are universally you can apply to everything yeah um so mike how how was your sober october experience
0: honestly it was great yeah like it it was uh i feel like the hardest parts were on the beginning and the end of like the bell curve right but like in the middle where it's just like once you commit to it and you're like it's not even a question you already have your mind made up of you know that you're Gonna, you know, whatever. Yo, you're def- on the
1: ride. Can't get off. I definitely yeah.
0: <laughs> like my energy levels at certain times were like peaking. <laughs> I had a lot of energy. Like I definitely oh, got sure got pretty annoying to Ashley. She'd be like, "Stop <laughs> rapping, <laughs> stop."
1: It's two AM, <laughs> Mike. Go to bed. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, I mean, dreaming was uh, super lit. Right. You know, like. That's something that a lot of people don't think about when they think of like, you know, smoking weed is that it will affect your REM sleep. And you, cool. I mean, not for everyone and not every time, but you just don't dream as much. Yeah. And I definitely do get a lot of like ideas and inspiration from my dreams. Mm. It's just like my subconscious talking to me saying whatever. And they weren't always good dreams. I had a couple nightmares that like I yeah. you know, wake up in a sweat but um i was trying to like i added like a section in my journal for my dreams so i was trying to like write them down and uh i definitely want to like keep on top of that that one up yeah but uh it was good and i definitely going back into uh regular like not sober october i'm going to just like stay more disciplined on like you not being more like,
1: like less is movie. more.
0: Yeah, more intentional. Yeah. With it, you, yeah, know? Because, you know, because you know it is easy to like build up a tolerance, and um, to just kind of like get like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, we're just watching a movie. I'm just gonna, you know, hit it. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, for me, like the specifically the hardest one was like, weed, like alcohol. Oh yeah. I don't really right. care about alcohol, because it's, um. Like, I feel like it's, like, poison to me. (laughs) Right. And, like, you know, there's a time and place, where whatever, where it can, you know, boost your confidence in a certain party setting. Have
2: some fun with it, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But um, specifically with the marijuana, being more, like, intentional, like what Truman was saying, is game-changing.
2: So was it pretty – because – so for me, whenever I want to, like – Take a break. It's so hard for me to get to that point where I'm uh, like committing. I'll like say I'm gonna do it, and in the back of my head, I'm like, but I'm actually gonna smoke in the morning because I know I'm gonna want to do that. Or like, it's like it seems like when you commit to something, what does it take for you to commit to that? Is it just telling yourself you're gonna commit and it's done for? Or like, how is is that kind of how you've always been, or what?
0: Um, having other people to hold you accountable helps. Yeah. You know, so like having like some friends to do it with, right. and uh, also like a understanding for myself of like why I'm doing it, like practicing mind over matter, and like yeah, um, and I mean, yeah, I guess I would say like having other people to help you would probably be the biggest helper of it. Right.
2: I feel that. Well, I'm uh. I'll I'll update you guys if I take a break and I'll have you as part of my accountability. Yeah. Team. <laughs> hey. yeah.
0: I got you. We'll get more lit podcasts in. This was super sick talking to you.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. This is, this has been a good pilot episode for, for me, at least you guys, this is mm-hmm. like this 13, you guys yep. been doing this, you guys inspire, like, I bet it's just, it's a nice release to just come on here and talk
1: it once is. or yeah. twice a
2: week and just get your uh-huh. ideas out and just, yeah, just unrelease the
0: bind, uh-huh.
2: and also but, to like
0: schedule two hours to talk to a homie.
2: Right? Yeah, like yeah. that's
0: like so sick.
2: No, that's uh-huh. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Keep, I'm glad you guys are doing it. I'm I'm like I said earlier, there's no difference between this and the Joe Rogan podcast for me. So <laughs> hey, I'm I'm stoked for like episode thousand. Like when I first um, found the Joe Rogan podcast, it was like in the eight hundreds. And my favorite character was Joey Diaz. So like I went and found (laughs) every, I think it started in like their 200s where he was first on or something. I watched all of them. So one day there's going to be people that are like, oh shit, my favorite ones are with Adam or my favorite ones are with Noah. And they're going to go the entire back catalog and like like, see the change in perspectives and mind all the way through to episode 2K, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the next one we'll do in person.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. For sure, we'll we'll get it. So,
0: yes, sir. All right, no, well, we'll catch you on the flip, my guy. Catch you on, yeah, the, catch you on the flip. <laughs> you
2: gotta get that merch. You gotta get yeah. the merch coming out. I want to yeah. purchase one or two.
0: Yes, sir. It Says catch you on the flip on the back or something. All right, uh, that's lit. All right, guys, you have a good one. Hey.
2: hey.